Yet another highly regarded high school basketball star is taking his talents to the NBL. What does Trenton Flowers' departure mean for Louisville? And will this trend continue in college hoops? You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey folks, welcome into the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, the only daily national college hoop show out there, part of course of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Andy Patton. Solo episode today, we got some discussion on guys leaving the States to play overseas. We'll talk about Trenton Flowers in the first segment there. We're also going to reverse it and talk about guys coming from Europe over to the United States, including Luka Krajnovic, the newest player for Mark Few and the Gonzaga Bulldogs. We're then going to close out the show talking about our our recurring series that we've been doing here for the last month or so, discussing new coaches in new environments and how we expect things to go for them in that new spot. We're going to talk about Admir Abdul-Rahim taking over at South Florida after a tremendous season last year at Kennesaw State. That is the blueprint for you all today. We're going to lead off talking about Trenton Flowers, the biggest news in college basketball on Monday afternoon. Flowers, for those of you who weren't familiar, was part of a really tremendous early off-season kind of series of moves for Coach Kenny Payne and the Cardinals. Uh, we saw them get Sky Clark, a transfer from Illinois, who obviously there's some some questions on what Sky Clark is going to be able to bring. He was uh, only lasted about half a season at Illinois before uh, entering the transfer portal, sitting out the rest of the year, and of course coming to Louisville. They get um, Dennis Evans coming in, a really highly regarded recruit, big man center coming out of Minnesota, should be a really nice piece for Payne and company. And then they had Trenton Flowers coming in as well. That was kind of the, the trio of new players joining this program. They also add Trey White out of USC, a, a transfer that I think could make a big impact for that program uh, in Kentucky. But now in mid-August, as the college basketball season gets closer, as the academic school year gets much closer, we see Louisville lose a big part of next season's roster. Trenton Flowers, who initially reclassified from 2024 to 2023, had been working out with Louisville all summer long, decides to go to the NBL and play for the Adelaide 36ers in the National Basketball League. The NBL, for those of you who haven't uh, paid a lot of attention to it, is a kind of up-and-coming league in Australia. It's been around for a while, but they're really kind of making an emphasis to try to have more of a, I guess, feeder league or a, a bigger youth movement in Australia. And it's really kind of had an impact on American basketball in some significant ways. Flowers uh, being one of the more significant ones, A.J. Johnson was a big name as well. He'd been committed to Texas, decommitted from Texas, and is going to go play in the NBL as well. Flowers, a five-star player in the class of 2023. He was ranked number 18 at ESPN. He was not quite as highly regarded by 24-7 sports. They had him 30th in the class of 2023, and I think only a four-star. But the main appeal about Flowers is that he's a six-foot-eight kind of guard forward who can really play the guard position. You always love those bigger guards. That's been a huge movement we've seen, not just in college basketball, but in professional basketball as well, especially in the NBA. Bigger guards are the direction that teams are going, the direction that coaches and players are really kind of looking out for. And that was what was really the big appeal for Flowers. Six foot eight, ball handler, shot creator, could do a little bit of all of that stuff. And I think that was kind of the issue 
was that he didn't feel like he was going to get the opportunity to showcase all of those skills while with the Cardinals. And instead he goes overseas and goes to Australia where he believes that he is going to be given more of an opportunity to run a free flowing offense, be the primary ball handler, be the point guard. And I mean, he, he straight up said, it. I'm going to read a quote here uh, that, that he said after making this announcement, direct quote here, he says, quote, this was the toughest decision I've ever made. Louisville was my dream college, but I feel like signing in the NBL gives me the best chance to lock in and develop my game. I'm going over there to play point guard, to learn how to run a team and be a player like LaMelo Ball or Josh Giddy. Adelaide is a place for me to lock in and focus on my game. Flowers wanted to play point guard at Louisville, and he wasn't being given the opportunity to do that. I, I think that that is the correct way to read this situation. There was a deleted tweet by Flowers talking about how he wanted to play point guard. It happened shortly before he made this announcement. Not super hard to put all of the pieces together there, especially when you consider that uh, they have a player like Sky Clark coming in. He's going to play point guard. That is the likely expectation for Kenny Payne's team next year. But this is really, really terrible timing. And I'm not going to criticize Trenton Flowers for doing what he thinks is best for him. The NBL has proven it is an avenue for success at the NBA level. The two players he used as examples, LaMelo Ball and uh, Josh Giddy, are both oversized point guards who are succeeding in the NBA. If that is the type of player that he views himself as being, is a six foot eight point guard, and he felt like he wasn't going to get a chance to play that role at Louisville, but he can go to a place where those types of players have developed successfully why wouldn't you do that and i think that's a completely reasonable take while also acknowledging that this is incredibly crappy timing and is really frustrating for kenny payne and their staff and again i'll read a direct quote here this one from coach payne he says earlier today trenton and his family informed me of his decision to pursue a professional career overseas we're certainly disappointed in his, in his decision and the timing we fully believe in the in the University of Louisville's ability to help student athletes reach their goals, including to play at the highest levels of professional basketball. And we're confident that Trenton could have achieved his dreams by making Louisville his home. However, we wish Trenton and his family well in all of their future endeavors. And yeah, I think that that's kind of those two quotes really sum up this entire situation. Flowers wants to be a point guard. He wants to go to a place that can develop point guards, that can develop big point guards, where he can play that role right away. That is what he is choosing to do. Understandable. But for Coach Payne, this is frustrating because you don't, I mean, it's mid-August. We The amount of roster movement that we have seen in college basketball in August this year is staggering. And there's already been reports, Matt Norlander wrote an incredible article that is highly, highly suggested to check it out if you can about how coaches these days are, are burned out. They're tired. They don't get an off season anymore. And I know some people might say, oh, wow, wow, like they're getting paid a bunch of money to do this. But the industry has changed so much in the last couple of years that now you don't get time off. You don't get those breaks. You don't, you're, you're, I mean, we're going to talk about it shortly. Gonzaga added a new player very recently. Of course, the situation happened with Flowers. We're seeing more players uh, enter the transfer portal. Mike Meadows just committed to St. Louis just recently. We're now seeing this influx of European players coming across the ponds to play in the United States, like Krajnovich, who we'll talk about momentarily, like Vonimir Ivisic at Kentucky. Like, rosters are constantly changing and ebbing and flowing, and it is just a never-ending cycle in college athletics, but it's not easy to find talented players to add to your roster in mid-August. 
So Louisville's just down a player, and they're down a really good one. Louisville was 4-28 and last year, and the moves that they have made this offseason have put them in a position to be significantly better next season, and I feel fairly confident that they will be, I guess, depending on your definition of significantly. Are they going to win 20 games next year? Probably not, but are they going to win more than four? I think I feel pretty confident in saying that, yes, they probably are, but this is a trend that we're continuing to see. The Adelaide 36ers already have A.J. Johnson, who we talked about. He committed, decommitted from Texas to go there. They already have Bobby Clintman, who left Wake Forest to go play for this team. Another NBL team added Alex Tui, who decommitted from Gonzaga specifically to go play in the NBL. Now, Tui is from Australia, so I think that that situation is maybe to be viewed a little bit differently. But again, it's still an example of a player who could have played college basketball who chose to play somewhere else. Taron Armstrong was one of the most highly sought after players in the initial kind of wave of transfer portal moves back in late March, early April. He ultimately didn't find a landing spot that he wanted. Gonzaga was in on him. Xavier was in on him. Creighton was in on him. He ultimately ended up deciding to go back home to Australia again from Australia. So the situation is a little bit different, but now that we're starting to see high school American high school students choose to play in Australia instead of playing college basketball, it makes you start to wonder if this is going to be a pattern. For me, NIL is such a big, powerful player in college basketball right now. The transfer portal allows you to freely move from school to school without a lot of penalty, you know, except for rare exceptions at this point. So to me, college basketball is not in a position where we should be overly concerned about this continuing to happen. Will it continue to happen? Yes, but it's also something that has happened in the past. It's not completely brand new. It does feel like there's been a bit more of an influx of it, particularly with Australia, as they are trying to kind of, again, build a a developmental system that hasn't necessarily been there in the past, and they're finding ways to get some pretty high-profile players to, to join them, and that's great for them. And that's just kind of how how this system works. Like we said, we're going to talk in the entire second segment about players coming from Europe back to the United States. So it's not like this this is a one-way street. Players are going back overseas. They're going to Australia. They're leaving college basketball. They're leaving high school basketball. That is happening. But at the same time, schools like Gonzaga and like Kentucky and like Arizona are making it really, are, are proving that it's possible to bring those players back this direction as well. And that's what I want to talk about in the second segment. There has been this influx of high school talent heading overseas, but the reverse has been happening as well. And Gonzaga was the latest school to capitalize in this, on this by adding Luka Krajnovic from Croatia. More on that move and this continued influx after a word from today's sponsor, Nutrafol. You don't have to choose between better hair growth and your health. Nutrafol provides a whole body health approach for men that promotes healthier hair. No drugs, no compromises, just better hair. Did you know that 80% of men will experience hair thinning in their lifetime? It's normal, but it doesn't have to be your fate. You can get ahead of thinning with Nutrafol. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement clinically shown to improve your hair growth, visible thickness, and visible scalp coverage. So go to Nutrafol.com slash men to take their health wellness quiz. Identify causes of your thinning hair and Nutrafol will give you a personalized plan for better hair health through whole body wellness. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com slash men and enter the promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE. 
Find out why over 4,000 healthcare professionals recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com slash men, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com slash men, and enter the promo code Locked On College. That's Nutrafol.com slash men, promo code Locked On College. All right, folks, I want to thank all of you for making Locked On College Basketball your first listen or your first watch of the day. Shout out to those of you checking out the show on YouTube. And of course, shout out to those everyday listeners as well. We got more fun stuff coming your way later this week. We'll continue to talk conference realignment, what's going on with the ACC. We're going to talk some more NIL stuff as well. And of course, keep you updated on any other realignment news and any other transfer portal or, of course, European talent coming over to the United States. For right now, though, want to talk about Gonzaga's latest edition, probably their last edition, although they have had a very active offseason. This is their sixth newcomer joining Mark Few's team for next season, and that would be, as we said earlier, Luka Krajnovic. So Luka Krajnovic joins Gonzaga for the 2023-24 season. He's already signed. He's coming in. He's a true freshman, six foot four guard from Croatia. Again, Gonzaga has a very healthy pipeline of European talent dating back primarily to their time when Tommy Lloyd was their associate head coach. Tommy Lloyd was, of course, in that role for well over a decade, close to two decades before he ultimately took that head coaching job at Arizona, another school that unsurprisingly, has a strong pipeline of international talent as well. Uh, for Gonzaga, they add uh, they add Krajinovic out of Bosco Zagreb is the team that he was playing for in Croatia. He averaged 17.5 points, 4.5 boards, and 2.5 assists per game. Very efficient score, about 59% on two-pointers, about 36% from deep. He actually won the most improved player in the Croatian league and was a second-teamer. All this at age 19? Very, very talented, very exciting young player coming over to Spokane. Played for Croatia's U18 team in the last two seasons. In 2022 FIBA EuroLeague Championships, he averaged 13, 5, and 4. And he also got some opportunities to train with Croatia's senior national Olympic team as well. Mark Few, very excited about the addition. His quote here in a press release for Gonzaga says, Luca is a guard that can really help us. He is versatile and has decent size. He also had good experiences playing against older guys back home in Croatia. And I think that's a key here. Not just for Gonzaga, who has added two Older international student athletes in the last year. They added Krajnovic coming in this year. They also added Jun Sok Yo, who joined the team in January of last year, has yet to play, but is 21 years old. And I think this is something we're seeing a lot of colleges, including Gonzaga, including, of course, Arizona, as we mentioned earlier, UCLA, are looking to add international talent that maybe has more experience or is a little bit older that can maybe come in and play right away. And this is a really logical direction to go because right now signing high school students with the expectation that, Hey, this is a guy who might contribute in year three. Maybe they'll get an uptick from year one to year two, but we really expect them to be like a guy who blossoms in year three. This has been a big part of Gonzaga's development in recent years is two, three, four year plans for guys. And not just Gonzaga, many, many other programs have used kind of this sign and stash strategy. If you sign a four-star kid or a high three-star kid who you really believe is, is a late bloomer and you kind of just let them develop behind the scenes with your coaching staff, your training staff, get them up to speed and then kind of unleash them in a couple of years. That's a lot harder to do in the transfer portal era. And by a lot harder, I mean kind of impossible. It's really difficult to do. 
So you're starting to see teams prioritize either getting players who are transferring after their freshman year so that they can get a guy who is much less likely to transfer again. It's guys like MJ Rice transferring from Kansas to NC State. I think that's like a huge addition for NC State because they get a guy who is not quite a freshman, but is far less likely to depart the program because he would have to then apply for a waiver, which it's unclear at this point how willing the NCAA is going to be at giving out those waivers. But if they tighten up on that, those players become more valuable. But it also makes sense to go get 19, 20, 21-year-old European kids who are going to contribute right away. Yeah, they, they're still able to transfer if they choose to. They may not stick around for as many years. They may go back home. They may try to jump to the NBA sooner, whatever. But you're getting somebody who's going to contribute to you right away. And I think that's something that we're starting to see teams, especially here in mid-August, when the, the talent pool of transfers, the talent pool of high school students is just pretty dried up. I mean, the transfer portal right now, there are still a lot of players out there and there are still decent players out there who are going to make a difference. But for the most part, it's the most of the kids who are going to transfer and be de- impactful Division One players, especially at high profile programs like UCLA, Arizona, Gonzaga, they're already committed. They're not available anymore. And so if you still have roster spots, you still have spots you want to fill, go find players overseas. And NIL allows us to be able to pay those players. And there's still some complications with that. And I know some people are are unsure. I'll admit to not fully understanding exactly how it works, but I know that those student athletes are getting paid. They are able to get to get some kind of compensation from their schools and are are choosing to come to the United States for the ability to play college basketball, get more recognized by NBA scouts, and also make some money. That is a factor. That is a part of it as well. And again, I'm mentioning the same couple of programs because they're the programs that are really doing this. Mick Cronin barely recruits high school players anymore. I mean, he is all over the international map and they have a, I mean, they could start five international players and be one of the best teams in the country. Ade Mara is a huge addition for UCLA out of Spain. Really, a guy who might go in the top five of the upcoming NBA draft. They just signed him recently. They got John, Jan Vide out of Slovenia. They got Elaine Fiblue out of France. They have, and I'm going to butcher this one. I'm sure I've already butchered a few of them, but uh, Burke B. We'll call him Burke B. out of Turkey, who's another player who's expected to potentially be a first-round pick or at least a draft pick uh, out of UCLA, again, coming over from Turkey. Kansas just added Johnny Furphy from Australia. Arizona's got a pair of Lithuanians joining their team again. Tommy Lloyd had a big role in recruiting DeMontis Sabonis to Gonzaga out of Lithuania. He also had a role in recruiting... um, another Lithuanian player that they had on their team, Martinez Arlauskas, uh, who was there for a for four years, didn't ever really play a whole lot. But again, Gonzaga, Tommy Lloyd had that pipeline while at Gonzaga. Now he has that same pipeline at Arizona, adding um, Arlauskas and Krivas from Lithuania. They also had Conrad Martinez out of Spain. So we are seeing some high profile programs. Of course, we already mentioned it's earlier, but Kentucky adding Zvonimir Avisic is a huge Huge, monumental addition for the Wildcats. He's going to be one of the a starter for that team, most likely one of their better players, seven foot two player who can stretch the floor. Like there are really, really talented players overseas, and we're starting to see some of the premier blue blood caliber programs, or at least very you know NCAA tournament caliber programs, uh, go out and find those players and bring them across the pond, bring them to the United States, compensate them in some way, and really kind of help shore up what is becoming not necessarily an issue, but when you're losing players towards the end of the offseason, 
like we've seen that some of these teams have. Gonzaga lost Alex Tui, who, of course, went back to Australia. Like, we're seeing roster movement continuing to happen. Like, for Louisville, like, that might be the route they take. Like, they may look overseas and see if they can find somebody because the options for them to find a six foot eight playmaking guard in the transfer portal, they're gone. Those, those do not exist anymore. Uh, if they can find a player like that overseas, that's the best route for them uh, to continue to build. So it's kind of an interesting crossroads that college basketball is at right now where you have this more options for, for high school players or for anybody to really change teams, change locations, play overseas. There's more you know developmental leagues cropping up across the, the world that is allowing players to have more options outside of just being forced to play college basketball. But at the same time, college basketball is more appealing for international players because of the, the, the proximity to the NBA, but also because of compensation and various other things. So there's kind of this, this influx of European talent and also an outpouring of high school talent going across the, across the country or outside of the country to other places. And it's just kind of an interesting dynamic that we're seeing kind of take place in college basketball these days. I'm not sure how long it's going to last. Uh, COVID eligibility will change the transfer portal in a fairly significant way. I think the NCAA will eventually do something regarding the transfer portal window at the very least, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how, how this continues to shake in terms of players leaving the country and players coming into the country to play college basketball. We're going to close out the show with another preview of a head coach in a new spot. We've done about four or five of these over the last couple of weeks. This time we're going to discuss Amir Abdul-Rahim, who had one of the biggest glow-ups over the past four years and will now take over at South Florida in the AAC. All of that coming up right after this. All right, folks, segment three, still any patents, still locked on college basketball, switching away from our European invasion conversation that we were having there to talk about a new head coach, or at least a coach joining a new program. Done this a handful of times already on the show. We talked about Tony Skin and Ryan Ed Odom in the A-10. We talked about Jason Hooten taking over at New Mexico State. We talked about Damon Stoudemire taking over at Georgia Tech. Now for today, I want to talk about a coach who got a lot of press early in the NCAA tournament last year, parlayed the success at Kennesaw State to a new job with South Florida. That is Amir Abdul-Rahim. And Abdul-Rahim's path from his first season as the head coach at Kennesaw State to now is a pretty spectacular one. When Abdul-Rahim took over his first full season as the head coach at Kennesaw State, they went... 1 and 28. That is spectacularly awful. 1 and 28. This is during the 2019 2020 season. Things got incrementally better every year from that. The next season, 2020 21, was a shortened season because of COVID 19. They went 5 and 19. So, not good, not great by any stretch, but an improvement over going one and 28 in year one. They took a big leap the following year going 13 and 18 in that 2021, 22 season. And look, any coach who can go from one win to 13 wins in a two year span, that's a very successful tenure, but nobody's going to argue that a 13 and 18 coach at Kennesaw state necessarily deserves a big promotion or a, a new program or anything like that. So Amir Abdul Rahim decided that, Hey, the best course of action is to, continue to double our win count. And so they went from 13 and 18 in that 21-22 season to 26 and 9 
monster change. Literally twice as many wins, half as many losses. Directly doubled that win total. They won the Atlantic Sun regular season title. They won the Atlantic Sun conference title. They went into the NCAA tournament as a 14 seed. Again, a team that went 1-28 four years ago was now in the NCAA tournament as a 14 seed, playing a three-seed Xavier squad, led, of course, by Sean Miller. And man, the Owls at Kennesaw State took them to the brink. 72 to 67 was the final score here. Xavier just, just escaped from Abdul Rahim's team. It did not take long for Amir Abdul Rahim to start getting other offers. He ultimately ended up accepting a job, taking over a South Florida program that hasn't been good in a very long time. This is a program that has won 21 season since 2012. They were in the Big East Conference. They kind of were one of the teams that left the Big East during that mass exodus in 2013. And since joining the American Athletic Conference, which is where they have been since the 2013-2014 season, South Florida, again, over the last 10 years, is 43 and 133. That is how they have done in the AAC. They do not have any playoff appearances. They have not won any conference tournaments, any regular season tournaments, have not been to the NCAA tournament, the NIT, anything like that. This team has been mired in below mediocrity for a decade. Brian Gregory was their most recent coach. He went 79 and 107 at the helm, a guy they hired who had previously been at Georgia Tech, who had some experience at Dayton before that. Not a bad coach by any stretch of the imagination, and 79 and 107 is a little bit better than they had been doing previously, but this is not a program that has found a lot of success on the hardwood in a very long time. And now they bring in a coach who, again, turned around a borderline destitute Kennesaw State program and turned them into an NCAA tournament team in four years. Can Abdul Rahim do the same thing at South Florida in a new-look American Athletic Conference? That is the question. So far, a lot of moves. And whenever you have a new coaching change and whenever you ever have a program that wasn't in good shape prior to the coaching change, you expect to see a lot of roster movement. Wasn't Patino levels of movement. Patino brought in 13 new players at St. John's. Didn't quite see that at South Florida, but there were seven players who entered the transfer portal. They lose Russell Tachua, who was their second leading scorer, averaged 11 and nine last year. He transfers to Georgia, but they do add six players in the transfer portal. Three of them following Abdul Rahim from Kennesaw State. Not surprising to see that as well. That's Chris Youngblood, a six foot four junior guard who averaged 15 and five last year. That's Brandon Stroud, a six foot six junior guard who averaged 9.2 and 6.5 boards. And Casey Jennings, another six foot four junior guard who averaged six and two last year for Kennesaw State. So those are the three additions from Kennesaw State. They also brought in three other transfers, including Jose Placer, a six-foot-one guard from North Florida. He was a two-time All-A-Sun performer. He averaged 14.3 points over his three seasons at North Florida. That's a really nice player to come in and start kind of rebuilding your team with a new point guard who's proven to be a very, very high-level scorer uh, at the A-Sun level. Kobe Knox is a six foot five guard from Grand Canyon. First year, last year, five per, or five points per game, shot 41% from deep. So nice to have a guy coming in who can shoot like that. And then they also add Malik Ewen, a former top 100 prospect who committed to Ole Miss last year, barely got on the floor last year for the Rebels, 14 games, only six minutes per game. But again, former top 100 prospect, and he falls into that category we were talking about earlier of adding a player who 
has already transferred once but has multiple years of eligibility remaining because if Ewan becomes a guy, if he becomes a, a you know lives up to that top 100 billing, which top 100 prospects are going to do pretty well at South Florida in the AAC, if he becomes that guy, it's more difficult for him to transfer again. So that may mean Abdul Rahim in South Florida get him for three years of pretty high-level production. It's a possibility. It's a bit of a gamble, but it's certainly a possibility. I'm very excited about what Abdul Rahim is going to bring to South Florida. The AAC, I think people will look at Houston leaving, they'll look at Cincinnati leaving, and they'll kind of think, oh man, like that's a conference that's going to be a lot more wide open. And, and certainly losing Houston definitely contributes to that, but you have Memphis still in the fold, and you also add a tremendous group of schools from Conference USA in FAU, who's a potential top 10, top five team heading into the preseason. You add Charlotte, you add UAB, you also add North Texas, all programs that had a lot of success last season. So I think AAC is still going to be solid. I don't think Abdul Rahim's going to turn this program around in year one. I also don't think he's going to go one and 28 in year one, mind you. But if we see steady increased improvement like we did from him in his time at Kennesaw State. Don't be surprised to see South Florida being a team that's in NCAA tournament consideration, finishing in the top three or four uh, of the AAC within a couple of years, because I think Abdul Rahim is the kind of coach who could legitimately turn around a program that has, hasn't been good in a really long time. I think this is a coach who could come in and do that. And if he does, if three, four years from now, this team's, you know, in that conversation, don't be surprised to see him get an even better power five job uh, for the future. All right, that's going to wrap us up for today here on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Thank you all so much for taking time out of your day to listen to the show. We very much appreciate it. We got more NIL conversations, more conference realignment conversations, more transfer portal all that good stuff coming your way later this week on Locked On College Basketball. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button if you have not done so yet. But once again, of course, thank you all for listening. And until next time, as always, peace out.